the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled, The Year of the Lord's Favor. That's the year of the Lord's Favor, and you can find it online at ReachingYourHeart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with the first portion of the Year of the Lord's Favor. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Dear Father, we bow our heads here and I want to thank you today that freedom is not a concept that freedom is not an idea in our head alone, that freedom is Jesus, and that you have given us Christ to set us free and to keep us free. Father, to the person who desires to understand eternal life through raw intellect alone, that person will never get it. That you poured all of eternity and all of your love into a human baby. And then that baby was God with us, Emmanuel. And in the person of Jesus, you gave us a knowledge of God, the good news. But more than this, you reconciled us to you. Father, I thank you that every sin that has ever been committed by anyone here was nailed to that cross when Jesus was nailed on that cross. And Father, I thank you that there is life, freedom, and forgiveness in Jesus, our Savior. In his name, amen. You know, when you're lost, freedom is being found. When you're lost, freedom is simply being found. It was a holiday hurry when Jeremy Griffin pulled his family into the car, hoping to find a way from his home in the Weymet Valley in Oregon over the Cascade Range. Now, he'd been this way before, but he was in a hurry. He had reasons to be in a hurry. It was a perfunctory action with a definite purpose. He knew what he was doing. He pulled out his GPS unit. How many of you have these GPS units in your car? He pulled it out, punched in the coordinates, and science does the rest. You don't have to think about it, right? From A to B, you get there, and if you listen to little Thelma, that's her voice, I think. So we call ours, unless it's Fred, because you can choose the masculine or feminine. You get there, don't you? Yes, you do. Now, we take these little computers for granted, and we tend to let them do all our thinking for us, don't we? Now, Jeremy was in a holiday hurry to get to his in-law's house, so he chose the route that promised to cut 40 minutes off the trip. It was Christmas Eve, and the little box on the windshield dictated a route off the state highway. Go right, turn left, go right, do this, go six miles, next intersection. He followed the rules onto a series of local roads that eventually got him stuck in the snow. Now, to make matters worse, they forgot their cell phone, and they soon realized that they were in big trouble. It didn't take long for them to run out of baby formula, too. And with the baby screaming for food, Jeremy got out and tried to dig the car out. That didn't work. And then they realized they better go get help. So they made a number of hikes in the snow, but they could not find anyone anywhere. They were stuck in the middle of nowhere thanks to that GPS unit. And there was no Santa Claus in the sky that night, no intervention from anywhere, no reindeer to take them out of there. 
They spent the night in the car and welcomed Christmas Day with a deepening sense of fear. As fear settled in with the cold, the frigid cold and fear of the unknown future, they took a video camera out, and as it got real cold, they made a video, which was a message to the world and to their family and friends, that if they didn't make it out of there, they had tried to. And so they said goodbye to their loved ones in the cold on Christmas Day. They were finally rescued and family and friends took out a GPS unit and reduplicated the route they thought they might have made in the snow and they came right to the place where they were at. They found the Griffins 24 hours later waiting for the end of the world to come in the frigid cold. I don't know about you, all the experts said we were supposed to be suffering from global warming this Christmas. Hasn't felt like global warming to me this Christmas. Snowed out the Copenhagen summit. It created this tremendous ice storm here. Now, whether there is or not global warming, you're not going to suck me into that debate. I think we could divide this church right down the middle. Could we not? Okay, I think so. But I'll tell you one thing. Christ said, pray that your flight will not be in the Sabbath or on the winter. I think we're going to have some cold times at the end of time. And when you're lost in the cold... When the frigid fear of an unknown tomorrow settles on your heart and soul, freedom is simply being found. When you are lost and you cannot find your way, freedom is being found when you cannot find the way yourself. And when a person is trapped on a road that leads to a dead end, that heart can become overweighed with the sorrows of the world and the fear of the unknown can sink them deep into the snow. Now we had a snowstorm here On the 19th of December, how many of you did not come to church that Sabbath? Raise your hand. I know because I was right here preaching a sermon. I had to shovel the snow out of the front there. And right after the sermon, there was a guy who was stuck on our property in the middle of the field of the church, trespassing, called on Kevin Rich, one of our deacons, to pull him out. And I said, Kevin, don't pull him out till the preacher gets there. And I had a chance to talk with him and ask him why he was trespassing on our property in the middle of the snowstorm. And he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He couldn't get out of the snow. Someone had to pull him out. You know, there are times in life when we get into the snow banks of difficulty, when the frigid cold sets in, and you can't pull yourself out. Now, there are always positive people in the world who say, well, if you just think positively enough, you can save yourself. Well, that may be true. In many life circumstances, there are certain things it is not true at all about. Charles de Gaulle once said this. He said, history does not teach fatalism. There are moments when the will of a handful of free men breaks through determinism and opens up new roads. There are always optimists in the world who will tell you, just try harder, put more effort at it, and yeah, you can dig yourself out. But if you're like me, you know there are times in life When you face the mirror of yourself, you face the reality of who you are, and you can't dig yourself out of certain problems. When the cement of your sin is so thick and hard that you cannot pull your feet out of the fix that has formed a death grip on your life. It's in those moments, dear heart, that you have to come to grip with the good news that is greater than your own recollections, your own reason, your own power. You have to surrender to God's everlasting good news. The Apostle Paul described the freedom of the gospel that takes your feet out of the cold cement. He described it this way in Galatians 5 verse 1. This is a revolutionary statement. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. I don't know about you, before I continue preaching, I want to say praise the Lord for that. 
For freedom, Christ has set us free. The gospel is not a list of do's and don'ts. Did you hear me? It's not a laundry list of ethical improvements for your life. It's not a self-help program to make yourself feel better when you really aren't better. It's not a New Year's resolution plan to do better things this year than you did last year by simply trying harder. When you're lost in the cold, freedom is simply being found. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Dear heart, there is so much truth in that statement. Captivity is the opposite of freedom. That means Christ is the end of the captivity. Christ is the end of the hold of sin upon your heart and your life. Christ is the end of inner condemnation. Christ has set us free. Do you realize as soon as there was sin in the Bible, captivity set in in the cold? As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God had to make for Adam and Eve garments to keep them warm. And then they were sent out and they experienced the captivity that the devil brought. When Israel sinned against God in the Old Testament, captivity, as I said, set in as well. And they went to Babylon. Wherever a person compromises to sin in their life, that soul, that heart, that life is brought into captivity. And when you're lost, freedom is simply being found. So a person who is under the control of the enemy cannot, in their own power, pull themselves out of that situation. Now, it's no accident that Jesus Christ started his ministry in the synagogue at Nazareth with the open scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The Bible says he came to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. And he stood up to read from the prophet Isaiah. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' ministry begins immediately after his defeat of the devil in the wilderness. You look at it, it's the same chapter. He defeats the devil and then he starts his ministry. There is a vital and logical link here. Luke 4 verse 5, let's look at the verse together as we proceed. The Bible says, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If, here's the condition, if you then will worship me, it shall all be yours. I mean, the devil had the entire world under his power. Christ does not contest this statement. Adam had voted him in as the king of this earth. And so his kingdom is the kingdom of the world. And his subjects live in slavery, true to the fact. But the king of the world is himself also a slave to sin. And so he offered Christ the kingdom of the world if he would worship him. I'll give it all to you if you recognize me as your king. And he offers men and women the world today in exactly the same way. Bow down at the box office. Kneel before the home entertainment system. Worship the money in your bank account. Praise the people with degrees and bow down to the powerful and proud. Worship the divas, the dancers, and the demons of the modern music industry. Satan has a kingdom and his kingdom is far from free. Satan's kingdom is the empire of the lost and is full of captives who can't get out. Who are sucked into the world system and who do not know the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. Christ came to this world, dear heart, to attack Satan's kingdom head on. He came to bring it down. He came to bring grace into the mix and pull lives out of the captivity and the chains that hold them tight. And the way he did it was this. Christ brought all the truth of God into his life. And when he began his ministry, all that God is, all that God has promised and all the love of God 
flowed from the words, the teaching, the life of Christ. And Christ is the everlasting gospel made flesh so that we might live and leave the captivity. When Christ defeated the devil, he left the wilderness for the place he grew up in. He didn't start with some far off mission field. He started in his own home. He went home to Nazareth to set them free. Luke 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and he went to the synagogue as his custom was. And on the Sabbath day, he stood up to read. You know, there are people today who say we shouldn't preach and read the Bible on the Sabbath day because it's not the Sabbath. I find right here in the Gospel of Luke that Christ started his ministry in Luke 4 by opening the scroll of Isaiah and reading it on the Sabbath. And we know that when he ended his ministry, he told us to pray that our flight would not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Christ kept the Sabbath, verse 17. And there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now Christ here is very intentional. On the holy Sabbath day, which is the rest day of God, which is the day of God's promised covenant at creation, when he promised to bless the human race, he opened the book of Isaiah the prophet to a very specific place, to what we now know as Isaiah 61, verse 1. And Luke 4, verse 18, tracks parallel to that Old Testament passage. Christ said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Christ received the Holy Spirit before he was tempted by the devil. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he met him in ministry. But before he did so, he defeated him in the desert in his own personal experience. Now let me just take a little detour here, not a major one. Dear heart, it's a rule in life that you cannot defeat the devil in your ministry for God. Unless you first meet him in your private struggles. And you overcome by the power of Christ where no one else knows what's going on. Christ defeated him in the desert before he engaged him in public ministry. So vital strength in Christian service is always found on your knees before God. Now I'll tell you something here. I've been really convicted lately that as a preacher I can get very busy and not be doing the real work of God which is prayer preparation for vital ministry service. And so... I got to talking to my boys last year. We made this pact together that we'd get up early in the morning and we would all come down and we would make sure that all of us spent a vital time in our personal devotions before we did anything else in the day and then we'd have a common prayer and that's, we'd be gone. And I've been doing that. And I'll tell you what's really thrilling to be with my boys and watch them open their Bible and make sure that they're up at the crack of dawn and I am too. And to feed on the Word of God. And I have found that my days go better. That my ability to address spiritual challenges are more efficient. And that God is with me. Now I've had a devotional life. But sometimes I would have it in the middle of the day. Have you ever do that? You know, you had a hard start. And you kind of do it in the middle of the day. But it's important to start the day with that time with God no matter what. And I've been strengthened by that. I'm a preacher and I get distracted too. How many of you get distracted in life? Okay. You're going to say, oh, the preacher here is confessing his sins in front of everybody. No, the preacher gets busy, and he has to prioritize his devotional life just like you do. I spend a full work week, and then I write a sermon on the side. You know that? I don't write a sermon. I don't live in some ivory tower where I read all the time. 
I get up, I do physical labor, stuff for the church, administrative, and then I have to put in these extra hours to pull off what happens here. But a real realization was hitting me last year is that the most important work of the life is that which occurs when no one is looking. It's that which occurs when you're with God on your knees in your prayer life. So I want you to pray for me this year that I will have more time and that I will take more time and I will grow in this way. And I'll pray for you too. Is that a deal? Okay. So it's a rule. You can't defeat the devil in ministry unless you defeat him first in your private life on your knees. My favorite theologian put it this way in Steps to Christ, page 43. The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. The yielding of self, surrendering all to the will of God, requires a struggle, but the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. So if you're getting out there and you're swinging the sword, working for God, doing great things for God, and you have a meaningless devotional life, you're doing more damage than you're doing good. You may have successes to your name. You may have apparent victories. But as far as heaven is concerned, you are a spiritually defeated person. And your victories mean nothing if you don't have the victory like Christ had in the wilderness first. So, dear heart, I challenge you as I am challenging myself to make God first and get close to him this year. Jesus wasn't a sinner. Christ wasn't guilty of sin, but as our example, he surrendered his life unto death to resist sin. And the person who's free is not afraid to die if that's what it takes to serve God. So Christ said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me. Christ didn't choose to go on his own. He was sent by the Holy Spirit. And God does not give us the Holy Spirit so we can preach to ourselves. God does not give us the Holy Spirit to send us to the sent. He does not pour His Spirit on the church to edify the frozen chosen. Christ was sent to preach good news to the poor. And dear heart, we are sent to the poor as well. The Hebrew word here behind the word for poor in the Greek is the word humble. It can also be translated afflicted. Jesus cannot save the proud person unless God humbles that proud heart. He cannot save the self-sufficient unless they realize that they are not sufficient. And he cannot give you his riches unless you know that you are utterly poor. And the gospel is not for the rich who think they are rich and need nothing. The gospel is for the poor who know they need everything. That's why Christ said, blessed are the poor Blessed are the meek, and he could have just as easily have said, blessed are the weak too. Dear heart, if we are spiritually self-sufficient in our life, we're lost. But if you're relying on Christ because you know you have a great need, it's in that state that God finds you. And so Christ said, blessed are the poor and the meek. The word gospel in the Greek simply means the good news. God didn't send Jesus to this planet to give us bad news. There should have been four amens to that statement. God did not send Jesus to this planet to give us bad news. That's better. Jesus didn't go to church the day he started his ministry to proclaim a mournful era of more do's and don'ts that make religion dead and the soul rotten deep within. He didn't do that. Jesus came with good news. Good news that is great news. The gospel of the kingdom is really good news, but it's not good advice. It's good news that takes a person who's lost on the road of life and sets that person free for the rest of their life. And when you're lost, freedom is simply being found. 
For freedom Christ has set us free, dear heart. And that's good news. The Holy Spirit sent Jesus to the synagogue of Nazareth to set the captives free. You know, we think sometimes when people need to be set free are the people in the highways and the byways, the people in foreign lands. Do you realize that Christ went to church to set the captives free? People come to church who are not forgiven in their hearts. People come to church who do not believe that God can forgive them. People come to church who are trying to do things to look religious so they'll fit in in a religious culture, but they know deep inside if Christ were to come, they'd be lost. Dear heart, Christ came to church to set the captives free. The Holy Spirit drove him from the wilderness into the synagogue to throw the devil out of the synagogue. The Holy Spirit sent Jesus to the synagogue to save his family and friends. He didn't start with the world. He started where he was at. In Luke 4.18, Christ said, He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. The Hebrew behind the Greek translation says, He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the word for liberty in Isaiah 61 verse 1 is deror. The word is used in Exodus 23.30 to describe liquid myrrh. It means myrrh that is free-flowing. It's used in Leviticus 25 Verse 10, for the year of Jubilee, every 50th year, there would be a proclamation throughout the entire land with the trumpet blast that the slaves could go free, that the land that was taken over by creditor could return to its rightful owner and there would be freedom and renewal for the family. The land would return. In Leviticus 25, verse 10, and you shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his family. It was the freedom that freed the slaves and sent them home. It was the freedom that came after a long wait of 50 years when life was almost over. And it came when freedom is sweet and the time is right to be free. It came when it looked like a life cycle would pass, but no freedom came first before life was renewed generationally. I don't know about you, I have a dog who loves to be free. You're not dogs. I didn't mean to make that kind of correspondence here. You know, sometimes the analogies don't work. You are blessed children of God. But my dog has taught me some spiritual lessons. Avalanche is a crazy critter. He has this long cord. It's made out of aircraft quality steel cable. And he breaks it every three months. He just snaps that thing. So I spent a lot of money on steel cables to keep him at the house. Now, I really don't have to do that to keep him at the house because he would come home. I've learned when he snaps that cable, I used to go out chasing him, running him down, coming up to him with pieces of food, dangling it and say, Avalanche, come to the car. He looks at me and he goes, who do you think I am? Crazy? You keep running. Finally, it dawned on me, just let him go. My wife said, honey, if he goes and never comes back, our problem is solved. (laughs) Well... What we discovered is he always comes back. He's free to go, but he's free to come. And so we chain him because the ordinance requires it. But the fact is he'd stay at home if given the chance. You know, there are things in life where we can't come and go. And the Lord has set us free so we can come and go. He has given us the ability to leave him or to stay with him. It was the freedom of the Jubilee that set the slaves free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. The good news is for the poor and the captives to set them free. Now, this word to roar for freedom is also translated in Psalms 84, verse 3. I want you to look at this verse. Even the sparrow finds a home, 
and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Now the word swallow there is this word deror, and it means freedom. Now why would the word for freedom be the word for swallow? A swallow is a bird. Dear heart, Christ came to set you free like a swallow. Christ has come to make you free so you can fly in life. Christ has come to give you something you cannot have on your own. His freedom is the kind of freedom that makes you free as a bird. Thanks for listening today. If this message is ministered to you, remember there are many more just like it at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts. And you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. Spiritualism, in a variety of forms, is making its way through the Western world. The afterlife, the spirit world, and spirit mediums can be found in movies, best-selling books, and popular TV programs. These themes are making their way into our children's entertainment, even. We have this free book to help you understand things a little bit better, entitled Dark Tunnels or Bright Lights. This book candidly reveals biblical truth about this subject and pulls the curtain aside to reveal why there is so much interest in this topic. The book reveals the deceptions of spiritualism based on biblical teachings so that you can confidently discern truth from error as the topic continues to gain momentum across all levels of society. Now, this book is absolutely free. You can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. Thanks for tuning in, and we pray that God is reaching your heart and growing you up in Christ through these messages. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.